to another episode of the Community Board Podcast with your host Miguel Valdez. And today we're almost at the end of July. We're already entering into the second half. Well, we already entered the second half of the year and people are going to start getting ready to go. You start seeing sales at the, at the big stores about for going back to school and wow, time is flying. And today I want to talk about uh, a really important topic that it comes once a year, but it should be something that we should be considering every day. And for that, I'm going to ask my friend, my guest, Jesse Moore, to talk about it. Jesse, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Jesse, um, why don't you introduce yourself to the audience and, and before we jump into the topic that we want to talk about today and uh, so people understand a little bit who is Jess Moore. Um, yeah, so going back into a little bit of my life history, um, I am adopted from China and so I spent 14 years um, living in Australia and that's where I completed my primary and secondary education. And then following um, graduating from high school, I moved to Minnesota with my family because my extended family all live here. And so I started college, I graduated, um, and I currently work as a nurse um, at Mayo Clinic in the NICU. Um, I have started my master's degree, and I'm, I've just finished my first year, actually, um, and I'm doing that in um, nursing and organizational leadership at Winona State University here in town. Um, the focus of this degree um, compared to a degree in practice, so a lot of people know about the um, doctorate of nursing practice. So these people who graduate with this degree are, become nurse practitioners. And so a master's in more of... Um, nurse leadership focuses more on um, supporting the structure of um, nursing units within the hospital and outpatient um, and kind of supporting staff, um, the flow of the unit um, and the kind of relationship between the unit and the larger hospital enterprise um, and then kind of connecting that with the community as well. And there can be any department within the hospital? Mm -hmm. So it is very common, at least within Mayo, um, for the nurse managers um, and then administrators. And as you kind of go up the leadership chain for these individuals to have master's degrees, more so in um, leadership versus practice. Okay. In your case... Uh because you're going to be in the, you're looking forward to work with the administrator. How many years have you worked in direct contacts with patients? Yeah, so I have worked in the NICU for about three and a half what years What is an NQ for people mm. who is not familiar with? Yeah, it is the neonatal intensive care unit. So I work in a unit that takes care of um, either premature babies who are born um, too early or um, kind of term babies who have who are born and maybe just need a little bit more assistance um, after delivery or have um, kind of a congenital um, condition that needs um, surgical intervention. And for how many years, sorry? Do you mean? Three and a half. Three and mm -hmm. a half. Wow. 
So you're seeing a lot of babies come into this world. Yes. Here in Minnesota? Mm-hmm. Okay. Hey, question. Uh, do you get to... Um, do you feel that sometimes your Australian accents comes and goes? Depends who are you within a circle of people talking? Because right now, if you wouldn't mention to me at the beginning... I wouldn't know that you were you growing up, but now that you mention it, and now I can start picking some. Yeah. Um, so, what I, was your experience? Yeah, I worked through college, and then after I passed my boards, I worked at a long-term care center um, where I, in the town that I did my college degree in, and so a lot of the older adults um, are unfamiliar with the accent and have trouble understanding words, particularly the R sounds are different, um, and it sounds more British. And so to people who may have not had that um, contact with, you know, British or Australian people or are familiar with that type of accent, um, I have learned how to kind of change the way that I talk so people can understand me a little better. Um, I have run into a couple of uh, residents who are from Australia, and so it's nice to talk with them, um, and they kind of get the lingo that I was saying, um, and I don't have to kind of be as self-conscious about the way I talk, um, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Hey, and, and the reason I ask is because sometimes, you know, uh, at the beginning when sometimes we can be identify because an accent or the way we look, the way we dress. And sometimes can that affect us in a different ways? And uh, and that's kind of good. So we, for the topic that we're talking about, how how our environment or experiences affect us. And, and during this month, why don't you share with our audience why, why we want to bring awareness on during the month of July? Um, yeah, so July is um, National Minority Mental Health Awareness Month, also known as B.B. Moore Campbell um, Minority Mental Health Awareness Month or um, BIPOC Mental Health Month, which stands for Black, Indigenous, and People of Color. Um, and so the focus of this month is to raise awareness of the health inequities that people of color are experiencing with their mental health and the care treatment and kind of access to this care, um, what they're experiencing. Um, A little bit about B.B. Moore Campbell. Um, She was an author, journalist, and teacher, and so she was also a mental health advocate who worked to shine the light on um, the mental health needs of the Black community and other underrepresented communities. Um, She was committed to creating safe spaces for people in communities of color to connect with others who share similar experiences and cultural backgrounds. And this serves as a gateway to um, vital mental health resources and support networks. So that's kind of what the focus of this episode will be. Yeah, and uh, I I got a chance also to read about her life and experience and how um, her family was... uh, also advocates and and from early in how she was writing and how she connect with somebody from NAMI and, and understand how their population, how their community was living in a totally different experience. And until this day, a lot of communities, unfortunately, there is that gap. And, and I guess the best way that we can do is by talking about it, try to remove the stigma that we have um, 
in a lot of our communities and across the board, I think, uh, you know, have, having a conversation, honest conversation and, and don't make a, I don't want to say a big deal, but just have that conversation uh, out there. So so when somebody's having a, going through a bad day, they feel that they can ask for help and don't be labeled as, a, would you say, a, a weak person. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Um, some of the kind of mental health challenges that BIPOC communities experience are um, stigmas around mental health within their communities, um, the different beliefs about mental health, um, the family structures and how um, individuals need to act or be seen. Um, we have racism involved, um, the language and cultural differences Um, The lack of cultural competence in providers and kind of the lack of um, BIPOC providers within the communities. And then, as I mentioned, the lack of access, care and treatment for these individuals, too. So there's a lot that is um, a lot of barriers in place. And so studying these conversations, um, reaching out to your neighbors or others within the community who may be struggling um, is kind of the first step um, to remove the stigma and to create a safe space where these conversations can um, be held in. Yeah, and going back to the benefits of having this type of conversation is that for having, like you mentioned, a provider that understands your culture or at least looks similar to you. Um, I was fortunate to have access to mental health care services, and it takes a while to to you know to be uh, to get first in in the schedule to be seen, and then to find a, a somebody that you feel comfortable. And for example, you know one of those first questions they ask you: Would you prefer a male or female? And I said, Well, I, I would prefer a male. Well, that, without me not knowing that that was going to take even longer because there was not as many male providers. And and so just, you know, another level of uh, of uh, access or, or trying to find somebody that you feel comfortable. Um, I also think one of the challenges um, with healthcare today, or at least kind of primary and outpatient care is... Um, things are kind of on a schedule. And so for a provider to really connect with you and understand um, your kind of um, family structure, how all these external factors affect what is going on today requires the time and a lot of effort to have those conversations, um, which is kind of impacted by the time in these appointments. And so it's challenging to really find a provider that you connect with initially um, because these appointments are quick and more in and out, and that's kind of just the structure of how they are. Um, Another thing that I um, recently um, kind of focused on in one of my classes this summer um, was cultural competency and so what this video it really resonated with me but it focused on um being or learning how to be culturally competent is to be um vulnerable and have empathy and be willing to accept 
um, different ideas or different perspectives um, and to accept that. And so we think we are so um, very much set in our ways and we have our, you know, what we're comfortable with. And so learning about other people's cultures and learning what they need requires them to be vulnerable and then also the healthcare providers and staff to be open and willing to accept that and acknowledge it, which I think is something that we are continuing to learn about today. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, go, uh, sorry, <laughs> going back to to those barriers that you were listing, also recently after the pandemic, we also, you know, we saw the access access to care was uh, related to also understanding understanding technology, how people were able to jump in right away to to the virtual world, where we still have a, a large gap of a big chunk of the community who hasn't have uh, adapted that new technology using QR codes, going into meetings on Zoom. We did saw a lot of a generation gap or, you know, adapting it first but we still know that we know that still we're missing a lot of population they unfortunately they haven't adapted or they don't have access or if it's you're in a rural area you know having access to those resources or, or technology to being able to connect and and connectivity is so important and also in real world being connected and feel part of something so we don't you know the more connected we feel to a community to a group uh, that's also improves our mental health. Yeah, I would agree. I think um, the COVID pandemic really showed how um, the healthcare system has massive gaps and wasn't necessarily set up to kind of support a mass pandemic. Um, and so transitioning to virtual care um, has after the pandemic, I think, increased a little bit of access, but also at the same time has limited people as well. And so trying to bridge the gap between virtual care, in-person care, um, and sharing, you know, healthcare information um, is something that we are continuing to work on. And I think it's... Trying to reconnect yeah. to bring back those relationships because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, being disconnected sometimes it's just like a plan you have to maintain those relationships too so Mm -hmm. Um, and I think during COVID particularly um, the limits on social interaction in the public um, really played a big role in how people's mental health kind of deteriorated and so post pandemic I think community plays a really big role in our mental health. And even with these, um, with BIPOC communities too, um, not just them, but kind of Rochester and Olmstead County, um, forming those connections within the community and talking with each other, um, finding the niche where you feel comfortable in um, is also a great way to kind of support um, your own mental health too. Mm-hmm. Yes. Jesse, anything, what else uh, can we learn about 
the minority mental health awareness? Yeah, so there are a lot of kind of community resources and even nationally too um, for BIPOC communities, for all really. And so, Miguel, you mentioned um, people feel you or you felt more comfortable talking with someone mm -hmm. who was a male. And so there are um, resources available um, kind of access to therapists or um, support groups who are also part of the BIPOC community or um, who would understand some kind of cultural perspectives. Mm -hmm. And that is available and can kind of help people um, find that safe space that they're looking for and to find... Um, someone else who would understand um, their life experiences and uh, um, what they're experiencing currently. Um, so the National Alliance on Mental Health, also known as NAMI, um, has great um, classes, education on mental health. They also have support groups online and in person. Um, and they also have kind of a Southeast um, base location and I believe it's here in Rochester so they have a mm -hmm. couple of um, in-person um, mental health support groups which is really nice to have in this community um, then one of my kind of favorite places to or sites to access is Mental Health America and so they have free online screening tools for a whole bunch of different mental health conditions such as depression anxiety um, postpartum depression, and so forth. And so those are really nice tools to just go through as you're um, experiencing uh, different things, changes in your emotions, to kind of check in with yourself um, to see kind of what support you might need. Um, they also have great webinars, too. They had one on how culture and community impact mental health that... I attended and the chat was very, um, it was nice to be a part of that mm -hmm. group. And I think all of the people um, who were watching agreed with the speakers and um, it was just a nice place to feel like I also um, had some similarities with these people on the internet, um, which was comforting in a way. Um, there is also the Mental Health Coalition, and they have great BIPOC resources um, available and how to aid your fellow BIPOC members um, or individuals um, in talking about mental health and supporting their mental health. Um, they have a great kind of PDF document about all the different resources specific to um, certain BIPOC communities. So if you are looking for someone... So if I'm looking for an Asian therapist who I want to talk about certain stigmas um, and experiences that I am going through, I can find someone, which is really neat. Um, and then there is the Anxiety and Depression Association of America, um, which also has a list of community support resources and therapists, too. So similar to the Mental Health Coalition, um, you can find specific resources um, for BIPOC individuals. And we're going to be sharing those 
links here in the information and in the description of this episode. So if you are interested in, in learning more about these organizations, please feel free to check out the, the description on this episode. Also, uh, I would like to share about this upcoming event here in Rochester, Minnesota. It's going to be on July 29. It's a mental health, fight care, run, walk, and roll on July 29, again, and at Soldier's Field at 10 a.m. You can register, and I'm going to be also sharing here the link. is for the mayor, uh, it's more, it's for the uh, APA more 5K, and I'm going to be sharing here the link that you can add, uh, you can register under the Mayo Psychic Idea team, and, and not necessarily you have to be experiencing a, a having a, a problem or something with your mental health, you can come to all these events. You can uh, engage with all these agencies, and you can be a champion for their cause. You can be a volunteer. You can just be part of their newsletter and learn about their resources because we never know. It's good always to learn about these resources that are in place and, and, and share that information with others because we never know when someone can use this information. Do we have do we have another event where families can go? Yeah, so um, on July twenty eighth, so this Friday, and then the following Friday on August fourth, there is a pool cool sun safety party, and so um, this is an afternoon with fun activities to focus on sun safe habits and educational information on sun safety. There will be prizes and healthy snacks provided. This is at the Silver Lake Pool here in Rochester, um, and it's supported by the Parks and Rec Department and then the Rochester Swim Club. So that's something to look forward to as the temperature kind of climbs this week. That's good activity for family, everybody, and feel, again, connected, be part of the community. Um, Jesse, what do you do? In your case, uh, to kind of the end of the day to relax or when you, you find yourself that you have a, a busy day and you still feel, you know how sometimes you're towards the end of the day, and, but you know you have that checklist, you still have a lot of stuff to do for the next day. How do you do to uh, disconnect yourself and kind of, how you say, un, 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 unwind? Yes. Yeah. What do you do? Do you have a routine or a process? Uh, um, it depends on what I need to get done um, and kind of how far in the day I am. So I am, um, so I work full time and then I'm doing school part time and then I'm also a mom to a five year old. So there's a lot of noise and I'm busy playing. Um, and so one of the challenges is just being, having, having a lot of things on my plate all the time. Um, what I like to do to unwind, um, or just to kind of take a step back is, um, I am very kind of process oriented and task oriented. So I do have my list of what I need to get done during the day, um, and when it comes to crunch time, I am very focused on what I need to get done. Um, it has taken, 
And this is kind of what I've done through high school, too. I was a very bad procrastinator, too. Um, And it's taken a lot of time to be able to check off what I've done and then pass things over to the next day. And um, I've really learned how to step back. And if it's towards the evening, I've been doing a lot of things. I haven't had time to really sit down and it's kind of just go, go, go. Um, Then I am very aware of like, okay, it's time to take a break. We're going to shut the computer. We're going to go get a drink. We're going to eat something. And I'm going to sit down with my kiddo and just, he likes playing with dinosaurs, trucks, anything that's really loud. Um, and to just be present in that moment so I can mentally take a break from stressing over like a deadline or stressing over a paper. And so that's kind of what I do. It's always continuing to um, evolve. And so, you know, next year it might be totally different. This is kind of what works now. Um, which may not be super helpful for other people, but this is kind of just what I found works for me when I get very stressed and a little overwhelmed and it's time to just take a break from things. What about you? Oh, <laughs> I usually, I, I just go for walks. I like to just go out and walk. I love nature, so winter, fall, doesn't matter. I just like to be outside. That's that's what I do, and, and it works for me. But like you said, everybody, some people just likes to grab a book. Somebody likes to cook, do different things. And and I learned that they said that by doing things that you like, that's, that's the best way to, like you mentioned, to be present and be the best, um, the best. Kind of person that you can yeah. be. Yeah. Be, be the best uh, best of you. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's that's the thing that works for me. But, uh, again, like, I like what you said. We, we're still learning and, and growing, and, and everybody is different. And every, every life and every episode, every chapter, uh, it brings you something new. I read the other day, um, we were doing some work out in the community, and I read this. That it says the art of living is the art of adapting to constant change and and I think that's that that's so true. So let's adapt to this nice weather and uh, that's an easy task. So let's go out for a walk and enjoy the weather. Anything else would you like to add, Jesse? Um I I don't think so. Um as we've kind of talked about today, um, kind of starting those discussions with your fellow community members is important to kind of erase the stigma of mental health within all communities. Um, and being vulnerable and willing to take risks to meet the person that kind of fits with you to have those conversations is really important. Um, it is hard or challenging to do that when your mental health isn't necessarily as um, well as you would like it. Um, But 
maybe you'll be able to find someone in these community events in Rochester and kind of start those conversations. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And thank you for sharing about you and your career path. And we would like to invite everybody who's listening to this podcast to use this platform to promote an event in the community. Again, you can find us on Twitter, on the Community Board Podcast, on their on Facebook too, on the Community Broadcast, and SoundCloud, iTunes, on the Community Board Podcast, and stay tuned for new episodes. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it.